0: Welcome to Conversations with Big Rich. This is an interview-style podcast. Those interviews are all involved in the off-road industry. Being involved, like all of my guests are, is a lifestyle, not just a job. I talk to competitive teams, racers, rock crawlers, business owners, employees, media and private park owners, men and women who have found their way into this exciting and addictive lifestyle. We discuss their personal history, struggles, successes, and reboots. We dive into what drives them to stay active in Off-Road. We all hope to shed some light on how to find a path into this world we live and love and call Off-Road.
1: Whether you're crawling the Red Rocks of Moab or hauling your toys to the trail, Maxxis has the tires you can trust for performance and durability. Four wheels or two. Maxxis Tires are the choice of champions because they know that whether for work or play, for fun or competition, Maxxis Tires deliver. Choose Maxis. tread victoriously.
0: Have you seen 4Low Magazine yet? 4Low Magazine is a high-quality, well-written, four-wheel-drive-focused magazine for the enthusiast market. If you still love the idea of a printed magazine, something to save and read at any time, Forlow is the magazine for you. Forlow cannot be found in stores, but you can have it delivered to your home or place of business. Visit ForlowMagazine.com to order your subscription today. On today's episode of Conversations with Big Rich, we have Levi Shirley. Levi is a young man, still a young man in my eyes, um, got started in. Uh, Rock racing with uh XRA and Mo Rock. Never did any of the extreme rock crawling, at least with us with We Rock, but uh may have done something at Hannibal or something. But we'll get into all that. Now he races Ultra Four, is a family man with kids, um, a great wife, and resides, I think, still in uh in Dodge City, Kansas. So Levi, thank you so much for coming on board and and sharing your life and history with, uh, with us.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. Thank you. So, so happy that you, uh, asked me to be here. I'm um, happy to tell a little bit of my story here and, uh, I'll try not to, to forget about, you know, to talk about too much. And, uh, yeah, Rich, I, thank you so much for having me on.
0: Well, remember you can never talk too much because I do have this thing called the edit button. And, uh, (laughs) you know, if you start to wander on in conversations, don't worry about it because it's all interesting. So let's get started. And the first question I'm going to ask you, and I think I know the answer to this, but where were you born and raised?
1: Yeah. So I was born in, uh, Dodge city, Kansas and, uh, still live here, active resident here. Um, went, uh you know, uh, kindergarten, high school, you know, and even college, uh, right here in, 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 Dodge city, Kansas. So kind of a, uh, not fitting place for somebody that loves rock sports to live. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, it, it, it's a great, great community to be in great, great place to, uh, to, to live and raise a family.
0: Yeah. I, I've been out to, uh, to your old house and to your parents' place, and we really love it there, especially when the bl- the wind is blowing in the right direction. Um, anybody that doesn't know Dodge City is really um, they have meat packing houses there or processing and lots of cattle yards.
1: Yeah, we have. Um, there's some figure like that within about a 50 mile radius of uh, Dodge City, Kansas. We supply something like. 75 or 80 percent of the beef to the world. Um so to, to put that in perspective, um just in Dodge City, Kansas, there are uh, two packing houses that kill um about six thousand head a cow uh a day a piece. So just in Dodge City, Kansas, there's twelve thousand head that get processed um per day. Um and then there's two more packing. Plants about uh, forty to fifty miles to the to the uh, west of us that do the same numbers. So, chances are, if uh, you've had a steak, it's it's from my area. Um, it, it's something we're pretty proud of, and uh, our whole industry and our whole, all of our uh, majority of our lives revolve around something to do with cattle.
0: <laughs> right. What amazed me is how clean the community is. We travel quite a bit. And we're in a lot of different towns and cities and driving through. And we, we see cities that just look like they're just windblown and the world has passed them by. At one time they may have been thriving, but, you know, Dodge City is, is still thriving.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is. Um, we, we do a good job, you know, the community stays, you know, relatively clean, of course, no matter where you're at, you're going to have riffraff and, uh, a, a lot of stuff, you know, behind closed doors, but, uh, for the most part, it, it, it's, it's amazing place. Um, we have, uh, a very large Hispanic culture here that not a lot of people realize, um, that, uh, my graduating class was about 75% uh, Hispanic. And as far as the community itself is anywhere from 75 to 80%, uh, Hispanic as well, out of, out of about thirty thousand people that reside in Dodge City, Kansas. So um, definitely unique, and uh, man, I would not would not have it uh, any other way.
0: That's awesome. So let's let's talk about those early years in school. What was uh, what was school like for you?
1: You know, school school was tough. Um, you know, it was filled full of me just interested in, in, in what my dad was doing in the shop and not so much what was going on, uh, in the books or, um, necessarily like with school sports. Um, so, so school was, was pretty tough for me, um, to, to, to get through, honestly, you know, I I was, I'd like to say I was, I was a CB student. Um, I I was not a 4.0 GPA kind of guy. It just kind of struck me as one of those things I I, I had to get through um, in order to do what I needed to do or or wanted to do, I should say. Right. Um, So, so yeah, I, I was not a, I was not a real heavy uh, into academics by any means. Um, Grew up um, again, just, just wanting to, to, do everything my dad was doing, um, which was including uh, racing circle track or um, with uh, in, in the rock sports as well. And, and that's all I was interested in. Drive my dirt bike. Just just I never grew up with any sort of video games, uh, never had a video co- video game console. I was outside or in the shop or just trying to do whatever my dad was doing, um, w- which was a very cool you know, kind of, kind of childhood, if you will. Um, school sports grew up, you know, trying, trying to kind of fit in once I got to the, you know, kind of the middle school puberty kind of age, you know, realizing kind of what the girls liked, um, tried playing football, um, which I played, um, you know, seventh, eighth grade year, which my first experience with that, um, Growing up, because I was not a big kid, I'm still not a big guy by any means. <laughs> I, you know, I was. Uh, I, I remember my eighth grade year signing up for football, having our weigh-ins, and I weighed 99 pounds my eighth grade year, and they fudged it to the triple digits to the hundred mark just to make the roster look a little bit better, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so so I played that uh, until my sophomore year and was just, didn't really get along with the coach by any means, and uh, discovered wrestling as a sport, um, sophomore, junior year. And, man, that's a sport that I wish I would have uh, continued in, or not continued in, but would have started earlier. Um, because I learned, you know, from an early age with racing, something that I, I related to wrestling was that it was, the, the effort that you put in is that the, the what you were going to get in in results essentially um so i saw it more as an individual uh base sport not one that had politics in it and it directly related to racing so i took off with that and and i uh, i wasn't the best by any means uh with that but i uh i i sure i sure enjoyed it wish i would have started earlier with it and that kind of sums up my uh my my sporting <laughs> stuff
0: Right, I I understand the whole individual as opposed to team. I think team sports are absolutely fantastic for kids, just because of the socialization and you know learning to work within a hierarchy, you might say. But I always excelled at individual sports. Um, you know, whether it was swimming or skiing, um, water skiing, snow skiing, it, it was it. I didn't have it became just me i didn't have to rely on the person next to me to do something and i think that that knowing that i had to rely on myself made a big difference
1: absolutely um, there there's zero zero politics involved there's it, it doesn't matter if you have a you know if you keep referencing football it doesn't matter if one team member is weaker than you it's it's literally how much you put in is what you get out. And I think that directly correlates to, to just life. Right. And, uh, you know, if, if any, if anybody was out there listening that had young kids, I would highly, highly suggest them, uh, to start their kids in, in, in wrestling. You know, if, if racing isn't something that, uh, might, they might not have the means or, or, or even want to get into, man, those individual sports are, uh, are, are key.
0: Yeah. I agree. So then um that also related into probably like you said being more of a CB student. So classes went uh pretty much just standard education. You didn't did you did your school system have shop classes?
1: You know, um I went to a private Catholic school okay. um when I was uh kindergarten to 8th grade. Um freshman year was my first year as a uh, in public schooling it, we uh, we got to take classes like uh, computer-aided design and, uh, and and so forth but for the most part it was just your standard stuff the, the the high school really lacked a lot of big shop classes I never got to take mechanics um, I took welding which I loved this first opportunity that I got I took welding and I want to say, I actually got like a B in welding, so it wasn't even one that was was. <laughs> I wasn't even an A student at welding. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I I loved uh, lifting weights. I uh, yeah, but I just I just really 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 liked the uh, the the shop side of things, but Dodge City did not offer a lot of those.
0: Okay, and your dad did some rodeo like team roping or cutting horses or something like that i think it was team roping was it
1: yeah so so dad did uh team roping gr- growing up did
0: uh, you ever get into that
1: no no I, I i never did i just never really took a lot of uh, uh, uh i just i just didn't really like it too much to be honest with you yeah. um they didn't push me towards it my, my grandpa also did a lot of team roping and my dad still does team roping today, but it wasn't something that I was ever really interested in, to be honest with Rich. Just, okay. I, I love motors, um, for, for, for good reason, I guess, cause I didn't have to wake up every morning and feed them.
0: <laughs> yeah. I know your mom's doing that. She's raising
1: cattle. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm pretty heavily involved in as well. Okay. Um uh, But we call ourselves uh, recreational ranchers because it's not something that uh, we absolutely have to do to put food on the table by any means. Um, It's more of a a hobby, um, but every year it gets a little bigger and bigger.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So then um, with, with spending a lot of time with your dad, you spent a lot of time at the shop. And was it like after school, head right to the shop type thing?
1: Yeah, literally, um, school got out at three o'clock, three fifteen, three thirty at the shop, um, either doing homework down there, um, or diving into helping with whatever my dad, you know, put me on, which, you know, come to realize that a lot of times they're just busy tasks. He might, he might've made it seem like, you know, this had to get done or whatever, but in all actuality, um, they were just busy tasks, <laughs> which I, 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 can see now that I am a father myself, that, uh, those busy tasks are important because they, uh, build character.
0: True. Very true. And what was, how did your, how did you get, I guess it's how you got involved with off road was of course, cause of your dad the how did that what was he doing? What was the earliest thing that he was doing besides was it circle track?
1: Yeah. He he did a lot of stock car racing, um, locally. And uh yeah, just something he kind of goofed around with. He he didn't really take it um too too awfully serious. I mean we were we were there every weekend, you know, having fun with it. Um I always asked, you know, and, and dad, he he, by any means was not a front runner when it comes to circle track stuff. He he, didn't work that hard at it um, because, of course, he had a, a life he had uh, to, to take care of the business. He had to take care of the kids and and he just it, it was kind of probably a blow off steam and uh, something for him to kind of relate to with his buddies and stuff. Um so he, he was not a front runner by any means at all. Okay. Um, we, we uh, you know, I always asked dad like, dad, why don't you, why don't you spend more money or why don't you, yeah. Why aren't you the front guy? He said, I don't, I don't want to get into that. And so he said, those guys have to work on their stuff all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, he's like, literally, I'm like, now, hindsight, it's all I do is work on race cars, it seems like. I'm like, man, circle track would seem like a walk in the park compared to the stuff that I'm doing now.
0: Really? <laughs> that's true. You know, I can see that. So then your your dad must have been into to off-road, and that's what got you there. Um, the When you were growing up, was it bicycles, motorcycles, ATVs? What was what all was your of, first?
1: All of the above. My dad came home one day with a um, 1987, I want to say, maybe a 6, um, ATC 70.
0: Oh, nice. Uh,
1: three-wheeler. And I remember pushing that thing more than actually getting to ride it because um, it would break down down the road, and I'd have to push it home and figure it out um, which transferred into dirt bikes at a young age. Um, and I rode dirt bikes. That was my, that was my jam. That was my thing for uh, a lot of, a lot of years. Um, on 10, 10 of 10, I, uh, went over the handlebars at a hair scramble race, racing motorcycles. And I realized that, uh, at, at a young age that, uh, there's an old saying out there called with age comes a cage. Yep. And uh got into to side-by-sides from there.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, it's good that there's they had side-by-sides available.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I- exactly. Exactly. We we're very very lucky to have those.
0: <laughs> the uh there was no such thing as that when I was growing up. <laughs> it was motorcycles or bicycles.
1: And and the the things that did have cages such as a as a Honda Odyssey as well, I'm sure um, they, they didn't have suspension. <laughs> so right. y- y- your head might've been okay, but your back was screwed.
0: <laughs> They're very true. Very true. <laughs> so then really kind of social there. Um, lots of friends, local friends and everything.
1: Yes. Yeah. Lots of lo- local friends. Yeah. Here. Um, I, I, all my friends still, um, you know I I wasn't overly social in high school as far as like connecting with class or anything like that you know classmates but I kind of went from from town to town and and, and us kids that were all kind of into similar things motorsports or whatever uh, we kind of all stuck together and from all different ages and grades and yeah, still have a have a have a bunch of friends that still reside here, and a lot of friends that moved away that are still really good friends that uh, just went to bigger parts of the world to to do other stuff.
0: Cool. And what was the uh, after the ATC and motorcycles? Um, you said you got into uh, side by sides, and was that uh, was that the beginning truly of the off road for you know four wheel odyssey that you that you are in?
1: No. So bef- before the, before the side-by-sides, um, I did, um, XRA for, for about two years, two, two or three years. Okay. Um, which was extreme rock racing association. Um, which was kind of, was, was my start per se. Um, you know, I, I obviously took to, my dad and what he was doing he started he started co-driving for a guy by the name of mike mcclure which we all know he races side-by-side today he was doing xra and i think dad was to the point to where he wanted the control and not so much to be in the in the right seat which is understandable especially
0: with mike driving
1: Especially with Mike driving, I remember Mike. <laughs> hey, Mike, if back. you're lis-
0: if you listen to this one, Mike, we love you.
1: <laughs> that, that's right. Yeah, Mike. Hey, um, and by the way, thank you for bringing me diesel the other day when I ran out on the side of the road, Mike. <laughs> really appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he he decided he wanted to have more control, and uh, so that was 2006, 2007. Dad. Um, bought his very first car, which was from Mies 4x4, and it was the third car that they had ever made. And who knows what they're into now, probably in the couple hundred serial numbered cars that they've produced. Dad's was the third car. Um, and so dad got heavily into racing. He, he got the bug and got the bug, bug big time when he was traveling all over the country with it. And I was right there by his side Um, going to every single race, if not begging to go to every single race, uh, missing school to do it, of course, and also some organized sports. And, uh, they obviously saw my passion and that I was, they, they saw how, how family oriented that, that the racing, the rock racing community was, um, and still is. And they decided to get me involved in it. And I remember in 2008, I would have been a sophomore in high school. Okay. Um, They bought me my very first uh, rock racing car, which at that time it was a rock crawler. Um, It was a single single seat Diablo chassis from um, Schaefer's. Yep. Mike Schaefer's. Yep. Mike Schaefer's. Um, that had been to a bunch of the We Rock stuff. And I, so I'm sure you have personally seen and touched that, that car that I, uh, that I started racing, um, I remember distinctly remember my parents asking me about this car and like, Hey, Hey, what do you, what do you think of this car? I'm like, I, you know, I, I, I like it. Well, they want, they want $12,000 for it. And, uh, it was located in Washington. I want to say they found it on pirate Four before. Like, oh, dude, that dad, mom, like, I appreciate That's too much money. Uh, Okay. Okay. And then uh, a couple weeks later, it showed up on a transport truck. (laughs) And I remember them saying they spent, I think, between taxes and and transport and all that, it was around $13,000 for for this vehicle. And I remember, like, at that point going, like, oh, this is a huge responsibility now. I, I have you know, $13,000 on a vehicle. Are you kidding me? Like this is, this is, I now have to put my heart and soul into this succeed because that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for my parents. Right. And I remember my, you know, I remember talking to my mom about this a few years ago and um, she was like, that was one of the most nerve wracking thing is spending that money, that $13,000 on, on, on a, a car, not knowing if you were going to succeed or fail with it.
0: <laughs> or even and continue to like it.
1: Yes. And continue to like it and stuff. And like he, she said, your dad and I got in a lot of arguments about it. And end of the day, um, we decided to go for it. And, uh, it's funny to look back at that now and thinking and that was a very pivotal point in what I'm doing today. Um, and, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, Cause yeah, man, I don't know if I'd have the guts to spend that money on, on on my kid, and and it's funny to also to look look back at uh, at that thirteen thousand dollars going. You bought a whole car for that much money? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. You can't even buy a front end, an axle.
1: <laughs> no, no, that's not. You can't even. Yeah, my. You can't even buy a motor, you know, or anything <laughs> nowadays.
0: Oh man you got the car. I know that you're, uh, that your parents required basically, or at least you felt you had to work for it. And I know you put a lot of time in at the shop.
1: Yeah. Um, a, a whole lot of time, um, with it. Um, funny, funny story about that car's first race and my first race as a, uh, as a driver. I, uh, it was in Gray Rock, um, Alabama.
0: Outside of Birmingham,
1: yeah. Outside of Birmingham. We were at an off-road park there. And I, do, I can't remember who I lined up to next to that day. Because XRA Racing, it was a... Uh, they, they changed over the years. But in that time, it was um, one car per lane, two lanes racing side by side. You'd race one uh, lane, and then flop over on the next lane, but you never were tired of tire contacts. Um, and that was that way for a long time until they later changed it to where one lane duke it out, you know, um, which was, which was very cool. Very, it was kind of the start of, of rock racing. Essentially it was, right. it was yes. the start of rock racing uh, back in, back in those days. Anyways, I don't remember who I lined up to for my very fir- next to my very first race, but I remember, Carrying a lot of speed, too much speed going downhill. The car went airborne, caught the first lift going downhill, and it broke the upper panhard bar going to the chassis. And when you lose one link on a three-link suspension setup, your axle is no longer going to stay in place. And I remember driving clear over my axle and rolling down the hill. And my very first run, my very first race ever, and crawling out of the car. About 50 feet from the start line, looking up, my axle was about 20 feet up ahead of me, and my car was about, was right there with me. Of course, going, oh my gosh, that was my very first race ever, and I just destroyed the car. I'm not gonna ever do this again. This is terrible. My parents are gonna hate me, and uh, for this, and uh, yeah, just having the worst feeling in the world. And it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. I felt for my parents. I felt for. You know everybody involved. Um, luckily, at that point, I really didn't have sponsors, um, and I remember going back to the trailer and and literally, uh, man, it gets me it gets gets me emotional now talking about seeing my dad crying because because he know he, he knows that I have the potential and um, and that I just I just did that. Um, it might have persuaded me to go a different direction, but uh, yeah, so that was. That was definitely uh, one of those core memories that stick with you forever.
0: But you learned um, something, didn't you?
1: Oh, I absolutely did. I absolutely learned, learned uh, to, the, to the brakes on the left and uh, <laughs> not to let that right foot do everything. But no, all seriousness, we went back to the shop. Um I fixed it myself. We ended up four link the rear and putting our eyes on it and, uh, making it that much more competitive. So in the, in the long, in the long run of things, uh, we, we made a more competitive race car out of it, but yeah, it definitely a pivotal point.
0: And then after that car, how long did you, did you have that car for?
1: I want to say I had the car for two years. Okay. Um, after that car, we started racing. I started racing that that uh, Jimmy's car. That was my dad's first car. Okay. Um, and and he got into a car called a sni- uh, sniper FabWorks. They were out of Oklahoma at that time, racing those. And um, yeah, so I was racing the uh, the the Cadillac that we called it for a year, and then from there we transferred into building a, another car with Sniper FabWorks. That was actually a car that we um, raffled off for charity at that time. Um, I I had a a company approach me about, they obviously saw I was young and enthusiastic, and they said, hey, we'll we'll buy this car. We'll pay for this car um, for you if you let us own it. And then at the end of the year, you're going to sell raffle tickets for this car all year long. And at the, at the end of the year, it's going to go to somebody. It, somebody else is going to win this car. But all the proceeds are going to Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And uh, so I raced that car for a year, raffled it off at the end of the year, and raised a bunch of money for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And, um, yeah, that was kind of my first dual shock, real kind of almost king of the hammers, uh, dirt riot car, if you will. Uh, th- that I had ever officially built.
0: Right. And that was a two seater, correct?
1: And that was it. That was a two seater car with a, uh, Liberty front clip on it.
0: Okay. And did you, uh, did you have somebody navigating for you at that point at XRA or was it all just you in the car by yourself?
1: Um, it was always in my, in the car by itself. I'm sorry. And I forgot a very pivotal car. <laughs> That, uh, I, I raced after, after that sniper f- or not sniper fabric, the, uh, after the, uh, Schaefer's Diablos, I had a, uh, a moon buggy that was built by Rick Dermo that I raced for about three years. Okay. Um, XRA. And then when it came time to the distance stuff, the distance stuff was when I raced the, uh, Cadillac, the, the Jimmy's car. Was, so short course. Yeah.
0: Was, was Rick's, car. was Rick's car, was that he built the chassis or was that? Was that a Campbell chassis that he built?
1: That was a Campbell chassis that he built. Okay. Apparently, Campbell's had built it, left it up in the rafters of their shop, and uh, he walked in one day at down there in Gilbert and said, "What are you doing with that chassis?" Don't know. Um, I'd like to buy it. Bought it. Took it home and built a uh, uh, a rock racer with it out of that.
0: Okay. And that was not so, that that wasn't the independent car because the independent car was that he had was a uh, that was one that he did with with Randy. from Jimmy. Jimmy's. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yep. Yep. One of the first independent cars ever right. uh, between him and him and Shannon. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was that was uh his one of his first cars. OK. And I still own it today. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. OK. Still, still own that Campbell car today. It's it's tough. Um, it has a three gallon fuel cell and it just, it doesn't have a lot of cooling and it's just tough and it's not really a rock crawler. It was built primarily for rock racing. And so, yeah, there's not really a big market out there for it. So it has sat my garage for the past 15 years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Something to get one of your boys into if he has the interest.
1: Uh, absolutely he's already claimed it so i don't think i'll have much choice
0: (laughs) there you go okay so then um you're racing the sniper car you get that one gets donated raffled off i remember buying raffle tickets for that and Mm -hmm. then you uh which car was next
1: after that was a car named layla um and that is uh was another sniper fabworks car. Uh, decided to go bigger shocks on it, bigger motor, um, but very similar to the car we raffled off. Uh and this one had a like a Jeep JK front end on it. Um uh, raced King of the Hammers and a lot, a lot of uh your series, the Dirt Right series with that with that next car. Uh, race that car for i want to say three years pretty pretty hard and uh yeah still actually um i would say i own that car but i actually just sold that car here a couple weeks ago um converted it to a legends car backing up a little bit converted it to a legends car and uh raced uh, the everyman challenge race at king the hammers for three years with it and just recently sold it um here a couple weeks ago to a guy in montana so it, it's going to montana to race king of the hammers um here next year so that car's still around it's still kicking but unfortunately i'm i'm losing it but it is going to a good home
0: good and when did uh who was your first navigator
1: my very first navigator was a guy named kelly hauling out of uh dodge city here um he he was going to all the XRA races. He was actually spotting for my dad and I um, at the XRA races, you know, before we even had two seat cars. Um, and so it was kind of a natural transition to uh, have him in the car with me and to have somebody that would kind of keep me, you know, tamed. Using <laughs> and, the left uh, pedal too? Yeah, using the left pedal as well and keep me under wraps. Uh, so my very first co-driver was, was Kelly Holling.
0: Okay. And how long was Kelly, your navigator?
1: Uh, He was my navigator. He he did the XRA stuff for um, three, four years and then the the navigator role for about another two. Okay. Um, And then after that, um, a guy by the name of uh, Terry Madden, which I'm sure everybody knows, uh, co-drove with me for a few years after that. Um, And then, after that, after that sniper fab car, we decided in 2013 to go back to a single seater, and I was back by myself in the car again.
0: Right, and that the single seater was the was the IFS and uh, correct the Campbell car. Correct,
1: correct, okay. correct. That that was the Campbell car. Um, Loretta, Loretta is her name. I, I have to name all my cars. They all start with an L. Uh, so if you hear me referencing, uh, my cars by name, I'm, I'm sorry, just the way my mind works. That's okay. <laughs> um, Why else? I, I, my name starts with an L. I, okay. I don't know. It just, the very first car, uh, that, that I win car, we named it Lintley off of our slogan for that whole program called relentlessly driven. So in relentless, we came up with Lintley and we were, <laughs> a matter of fact, um, Terry and I were sitting at the shop loading to go to a, one of your races. And, uh, we're like, we just had finished the car and we're like, we, we, we gotta, we, we absolutely, we have to name this. Well, might as well start with the L. So we opened up, um, a baby naming book <laughs> It went in and counted down 81 names. And on the 81st name, 81 being my number, uh, was Layla, and that stuck with that, and so from there, it's just always been L names. I don't, I don't know why.
0: Interesting. That's cool. Little history oh. there. So, yeah. So the car that that got raffled off that ended up didn't Terry end up buying that?
1: So, base basically, what had happened to it is there was somebody online that bought a raffle ticket for five dollars one five dollar ticket. <laughs> called him, called him up, um, said, Hey, you know, you, you you won the car, congrats. Um and actually it wasn't even call. it was an email saying, hey, you won the car, congrats. And um he replied with, you know, awesome, this is amazing. Um but I don't know what I'm gonna do with it because I'm currently actively uh, deployed. So from there, there was a cash option to to buy it, buy it from him. Yeah. So so basically, yeah. Terry somehow purchased the car from him and wound up with it and raced for a little bit. And then it sold and actually went to, up to Topeka, Kansas. Now, and that's last I've ever last runs I've ever had with it, is knowing that it's back in Topeka, Kansas.
0: Okay. Interesting. And what was. What was it like that first season running XRA and being the young kid out there against all these adults?
1: It, it was definitely, it, it's, it was definitely interesting. Um, I obviously really didn't have a big fear per se. And it's not something that I really thought about was being the young kid. There was obviously a lot of media attention, you know, kind of gravitating towards me because, because of my age um, so that was a little weird to kind of get used to. It was the media side of things, but I, literally everybody there—I I looked at them like they were my idols. I would study what they're doing. I'd look at their cars, and everybody was more than welcoming and inviting as far as that goes. But yeah, I, I would like to say, you know, other than my dad, one of my biggest heroes of the day that we were racing with that I just like, you know, what was a hundred percent about was Shannon Campbell. Okay. Um, and he, I think he, that was, he he, he is, was everybody's hero. And, but that's somebody that I've really gravitated towards um, what was, was Shannon's style, Shannon's shannon's cleanliness as far as way he did cars how he manufactured stuff um so just just everything about shannon i I was about um and kind of a cool story from that is one day at an xra race in colorado springs um you know my dad shannon we're we're sitting there talking and and Waylon Campbell, which is, I want to say he's two or three years younger than I am. Uh, We're all sitting around there. And I had brought my Schaefer's uh, Diablo car there. And I asked Waylon like, Hey, do you want to drive my car? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. He would have been 10 or 11 years old at that time. And uh, so he hopped in the driver's seat and Shannon said, go drive my car. Told me that as a, 14 year old kid go drive my car and i'm like oh shannon campbell just told me to drive his car <laughs> yeah the race was already over you know we were just everybody's hanging around uh you know h- hanging out and uh i went and drove the car and was hitting the, the track pretty hard and shannon said um i want you to hit this big gap jump but this time there was a big gap jump that a lot of people wrecked on that was just kind of a, a cool deal there at the ram off red park at, at ray vandale's park he said go go jump that jump like oh no way no sir no way i'm not gonna go jump this jump Go. he's and he might have used a some profanity and said go hit that jump yeah yeah and anyways so i went and uh did the jump and he said dude that's that's awesome try doing this and he kind of started to coach me a little bit more and more with driving that car at the end of that he said when's your next race i said well it's it's in it's in hannibal missouri you know um during whatever in, in in two weeks, he said, take my car home. <laughs> what do you, what do you, what do you mean, Shannon? He said, he said, take, take it home. I'm like, what do you, he's said I want you to race my car at the next race, take it home, prep it, just make sure it's prepped for me at the, at the next race. So after you get done racing, you prep it and make sure everything's good and give it back to me and Cortez. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> I'm not going to turn that down I'm like that. Are you sure this is okay? He said, yeah, that's fine. And so I actually um, actually, uh, took that car, raced it, and had my very first win ever, which was a big deal. Yeah. Um, as a 14, 15-year-old kid there in uh, Hannibal, Missouri, winning my very first XRA race. Um, which obviously gained a lot of attention, a lot of momentum for, for my racing career from there. So, I mean, so to, to have your idol give you a car and said, go drive it. I mean, especially at that young of a kid is pretty amazing. So I, I'm still very thankful to Shannon for that. And I will forever be grateful for that opportunity.
0: That's, that's pretty cool. You know, that's, there's, that doesn't happen very often, especially the take it home, go race it. And then bring it back.
1: Yeah. Oh, if you, you can imagine, I was I was nervous. I was beyond <laughs> nervous as, as a kid. Like, oh, like this car is perfect, and uh, don't don't screw it up. And I want to say it was the car that he won King of the Hammers with um, for the very first time. It was that solid axle moon buggy um, that I remember the big story about him starting at the back of the pack and worked his way through the entire field and ended up winning the race, um, like in 2007 or eight. Right. So (laughs) yeah, that very iconic car. So didn't want to screw that one up. and luckily did not.
0: That's pretty good story. That's awesome. I I remember you coming out to, to dirt riot. You know, our format is very similar to what they is run now at ultra four but you know it's that that multiple lap type thing, and was that we did that for a certain reason, and it was to hopefully train train drivers to learn terrain and how to get faster going over the same terrain. Did did that Did you think that helped you at all?
1: A hundred percent, without a doubt. I it was it was thanks to uh, your association. Um, it also taught. Uh, endurance, of course, not only going fast over the same terrain, but lap after lap after lap. Um, It was, hey, you got to keep the car alive for those three hours. Um, And and I will largely attribute any success that I've had thanks to um, the Dirt Riot series because it it taught me uh, endurance. And I don't care if you're the best – Whatever racer in the world, it's all about seat time. A lot of people depend on their cars too much to to get them that win or whatever, um, or even a finish, but it's all about seat time. And that's what that series really, really, it was, it was so good for me because it got me seat time, um, to where, when I showed up and raced any other races, I could be successful because I had that seat time and I put the work in.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Glad we were able to provide that. That's what we wanted to do was to, to create a training ground for people to be successful at races like KOH, you know, where where you had one shot at it. And, you know, at that time, you know, the races were 100 and some odd miles to 200 miles. You know, now they've gotten to be a lot longer than that. But the, uh, of course, cars have gotten faster and better and all you get, you drivers have gotten better. But uh, it was to to give everybody a chance when they went out there to go farther than two miles,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know. Because mm-hmm. that's one of the things we saw is that people would would spend you know twenty five thirty thousand dollars to go race KOH one race a year, and then have no success whatsoever. I mean, lucky if they made the first pit. And right, it got to be where you know our drivers, the guys that that raced at Dirt Riot started to get to where we were getting a lot of good results at KOH. So we were always counting those and, you know, putting it against the total numbers of vehicles out there and, you know, that kind of thing, just to pat ourselves on the back, I guess. But, you know, it, it just meant that, you know, we were hopefully doing something right. So I'm 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 glad to hear that. I can remember I think we were Oh, the Oklahoma, it was uh, Buzzard Canyon, and it was, I think it was the the one where we had all the heavy rains the night before, and the river was flooded, and we had to change the course. You know, we couldn't put the pits where we wanted them, and we had to change the start-finish line, and Lauren showed up, and he wasn't going to show up at first, and they were he was worried about the rain and the mud. You know, him and uh, Clay Gillstrap and Lauren were complaining about racing, wanting to race. And I told him, you know, go put your pink panties on and get your fire suits on. We're racing. <laughs> and at the end of that race afterwards, Lauren came to me and said, you know what? I can't outrun that kid anymore. And he was talking about you.
1: I, I distinctly remember that, that uh, as, as well, because he was showing up pretty hot and heavy, uh, chasing the, the dirt right stuff uh, as well. Yep. Um, and, and I remember passing Lauren at, the, at some of those races. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's obviously somebody that I, I still, he's one of my peers and I still look up to him uh, today and what he does. So to have that comment from that guy, pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and you know, you you were racing back then against guys that were pretty damn competitive, even if they hadn't won a KOH yet. You know, guys like Derek West and Clay Gilstrap. You know, there was there was guys out there that were really really fast. Hell, your dad, your dad was fast on at least at our courses.
1: Yeah, he he was always fast at those. He he is one of the guys that would get everything and then some out of those courses. Yep. He, he, he still is today. Um, he just got tired of working on them, <laughs> on the cars.
0: <laughs> that, and he wanted to retire and fly more.
1: Yeah, yeah, airplanes are a lot less work, I think. I'm not not really sure.
0: Yeah, but when they break, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's easier just to pull off the side of the road.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'd be lying if we didn't have some close encounters with that because his uh, his flying has gotten a little bit more involved of, going from airport to airport, to landing on sandbars and camping and, um, landing planes that there's never even been vehicles on, you know, kind, kind of scenarios. So, um, he's kind of figured out a way to combine off-roading and, uh, camping and, and o- overlanding. I call it overlanding for, uh, airplanes.
0: Yeah. That stole so, stuff, that short takeoff stole. and
1: landing. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So then what would you consider was your favorite race course Outside of KOH, what was the favorite place for you to go race that you enjoyed the most? Whether it was Mm. because of the track or the people or whatever.
1: You know, I would probably say my very favorite race uh, and race track would be Glen Helen. Um, I I loved racing Glen Helen, Um, you know, as far as outside of King of the Hammers. Because it took my motorcycle riding skill set and applied it to, um, you know, the the racing the cars, knowing how to enter the corners, how to keep stuff alive. Um, and so I, I definitely have to say Glen Helen back in the day was one of my favorite racetracks. And oh, my gosh, was it hard on stuff.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I was going to say there's I have never heard a racer say that they enjoyed or loved Glen Helen for that simple fact?
1: I, I, I remember my dad and I showing up to Glen Helen, um, after driving all day, all night, you know, cause it was about a 20 hour trip for us. Um, and saying this track was made for you. It's saying like, and it kind of gave me that little bit of confidence to say like, cause he, he saw my driving style and he saw obviously where I succeeded and we went out there and, um, I want to say very first time we were, it was one of the deals we were doing really good till we weren't. And, but from then on, it was just every year we'd go back to Glen Helen. It would just be like, I'd get a little bit better, get a little bit better. And, uh, yeah, that was probably my favorite track, um, outside of King of the Hammers. After that, my favorite track would probably be, um, probably the, the copper mines Altus, right. Oklahoma. Um, it was such a cool track and it, it's really kind of where I cut my teeth. I'd say more than anything, learning how to do endurance racing. Cause we had a bunch of races there and, uh, it, it was close to us and it was just a really, really cool racetrack. Uh, I was very grateful for Raymond Moody and, uh, his wife and the, uh, that whole facility.
0: Right. There was nothing like the parties um, after after the races at the Red Dog Saloon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. I may or may not have one time put a pit bike on top of the bar and did a burnout <laughs> after a party, but that, that's all right.
0: <laughs> yep. I couldn't believe that we could get nine miles of racetrack out there. Yeah. Because yeah, there was a big lake area out there that you just, you couldn't really go around or, you know, it took up a lot of the property, those two lakes and, you know, then the compound area down in the middle, but we created that horseshoe shape that we were able to get nine miles of racetrack out of with variations.
1: It was incredible. It was a lot of, I mean, I remember, I mean, they had hills, they had, little kind of rock ravines, uh, big long straights next to fence lines. Um, But that tell you what, that's one place you never wanted to get a quarter inch of rain because then it turned into an absolute nightmare.
0: (laughs) Yes. Oh yeah. The rain, the rain race we had there with, uh, I think it was the first time that Bill Baird came out, but a bunch of guys ended up with, you know, weren't able to finish the race because of the mud in their eyes. Uh, It was it was pretty gnarly.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's talk about your family life, and uh, you know, you're married. You get two kids. Talk about uh, talk about your wife.
1: Yeah. So um, my lovely wife uh, Miranda and I have been together for. oh, Let's see. It's 2022. We've been together uh, 11 years. Married for. Six, don't kick my butt if I get that wrong, Miranda. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think six or seven, I don't know. Um, we have uh, two beautiful little boys. Um, we have uh, Dawson, which is my not the oldest, and he is he'll turn four on Saturday here. Oh nice. And, and uh, we have uh, Otto which is uh our 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 newest he's he's fresh uh he he just turned 3 months old so. okay so
0: i have to ask because it was at, at somebody made mention of it my son um little rich was here for the last couple of days at my parents house and uh with his kids and and brandy and he uh we'd mentioned that you know you had another son and the name was Otto and we were all wondering where did the name Otto come from? Cause it's not something <laughs> that's real common nowadays.
1: Yeah. So, um, I wish I had a really cool story about that, but I don't, I think we, we just stumbled across the name Otto and, um, we just, we really took to it and, it stuck. Obviously, um, we already had the name picked out before he was even born, so it wasn't one of those like spur of the moment things. But yeah, it's not an old family name. It's it's not a real common name, like you were saying. But we we, we just we we like the way Otto uh, Shirley sounded and e- easy to spell, and yeah, just uh, a really really cool name. And you know, I tell people that. It wasn't a family name, but it is now.
0: right. That's good. When I was growing up, my parents' insurance agent and who was my first insurance agent for car insurance was a state farm guy and his name was Otto Graf. And oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah, it was <laughs> i I'll never forget that autograph. it was you know
1: <laughs> we we have came up with a million nicknames for auto. Um, since, you know, obviously happening him, um, uh, there, there is, um, automatic, um, that we call him, we call it, <laughs> his name's called O T T O, not a U T O. So I don't I want to clear up any confusion that I'd name my kid a U T O, <laughs> um, head and we, we, we call him just a million different nicknames. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of fun. Cool. Um,
0: and you into a new house um i know that you had the house on the corner um is it you in the same property or you farther away now
1: yeah kind of we uh we went into town whenever we were pregnant uh my wife was pregnant with uh auto our little farmhouse just wasn't going to cut the mustard anymore we we kind of had to we had to go and find a, a new home relatively quick. We had, we've been talking about building house for the past, all oh, past probably year or two before auto was even in the picture. And we went as far as getting plans drawn and, you know, meeting with the contractors to kind of start the ball, ball rolling. So I could stay on the, on my parents' uh, property essentially. And um, with all these COVID prices there was just no way I was ever going to afford to to build at this point in time. So we decided to kind of, let's go go out there and see what's already built. And we came across a house in town and fell in love with it. And it's, it's where we are today. We've been here since August and love it. It is a little bit of a transition moving from out of town into town, you know, with neighbors and all that stuff. But luckily we, we love our neighbors. We love where we're at. Uh, we love the fact that our kids are going to have neighbor kids to, to run around the block with versus being a farm kid where you kind of got to create your own fun and there's nothing wrong with that. And it's how I grew up, um, you know, p- playing basketball on a gravel driveway by yourself. That was my childhood <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, versus, uh, you know, actually have neighbor kids to ride around with. So we, I wanted to give that to my kids. And so we ultimately decided to, to, it was the better choice to hold on building and, uh, find something in town, man. It's been, it's been awesome.
0: And did, did you guys go to school together?
1: No, uh, we, we, we never did. Uh, okay. she went to Cimarron high school and I went to Dodge city high school, uh, met her at a friend's house after I had already graduated, uh, From, uh, you know, from high school, she was still a junior going into her senior year. And we started dating and I dated her, you know, the rest of the time and she went off to college and I didn't, but we still stayed together. And uh, yeah, I I say, I should say I stayed here locally for college. She decided to go get a four-year degree at Kansas State. So I, uh, I tell people I got the, uh, I got the four-year experience without ever having to pay for the four-year experience.
0: There you go. <laughs> Did you make a lot of trips to take K then?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My truck pretty much knew the way. Friday night after after school or work um, from the trailer shop, it, it was headed east up to Manhattan, Kansas. And uh, yeah, I I racked up a lot of miles doing that.
0: <laughs> I have to say your, uh, your wedding was uh, was beautiful, and your, your party, the reception afterwards, um, was one to remember there in the hangar and uh-huh. shop area. And we kind of snuck in. Miranda knew we were coming. Nobody else did. Um, your dad actually saw a photo that I'd posted on the way up, and he's like, because we came from Texas, and he was like, I think they're coming, and so we showed up, and the look on your face was priceless. But what a what a what a great time with all the the racers that were there, and uh, you know we had our own little section um, of the the hangar there, hanging out with a with each, with all the racers. And uh, I remember your dad kept wandering over, and your mom would like drag him back over, you know, with everybody else. And, uh, finally, every all the rest of the family left and everything, you came over and said, Oh my God, now I get to have, get to spend some time with my friends. It was awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was so happy you guys showed up and along with other, all my other racing family at that point, because I mean, it's safe to say I've spent more time with, you know, you guys or my other racing, you know, the, the actual other racers. Um, than i I have at home really um with with all my other friends and family at home so you guys definitely are are a a critical part of my my friend group and family and i I really really appreciated you being there um and to, to to give people an idea of like how important racing is to to my family and i is my race car was actually in the middle or off to the side, but it was in the building for the reception. Um, so which was, which is pretty special to me, uh, to, to actually have, have your race car. And it was very special for that. My wife, lo- my wife actually allowed it. Um, but, but she, <laughs> she, she knows the drill. She,
0: she knows that that's, that's a, a passion for you is having is having that race life. So.
1: Mm-hmm. A- absolutely. And, we always talk whenever we buy a car. Um, it is a it is a car that is essentially, a, a, as I have stated on this podcast uh, a, a already, with keeping that old Campbell Moon buggy and actually just selling um, Layla the the Legends car uh, is pretty much whenever I buy a car, it's for life and it's a lifetime commitment. They're <laughs> build, you know,
0: kind and, of uh, kind of so, like being married
1: kind kind of like being 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 married is you uh yeah the, the, those cars become family pretty 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 quick
0: especially when you name them
1: especially when you name them uh-huh it's, it's kind of like uh you know naming a cow before it goes to the uh, slaughterhouse unfortunately the, you know what you're about to do to them <laughs> every race <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I I I don't know if I could name cows if I had, <laughs> had cattle because you know, you know that it's going to end up on your plate someday. You don't go, wow, you know, Joey was sure tasty, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. We do have our special cows that are named. Uh, and yes, they, they have it. they have wound up on our plate before. So <laughs> try, we just try not to think about that.
0: Yeah, try not to think about it. <laughs> so what's uh, what's coming up in the future?
1: Yeah, so just, just more racing. Um, you know, obviously my, my, my families have of, uh, most importance to, to my everyday life, what I'm paying, um, what I'm paying the most attention to what, you know, what is, I am ultimately setting them up for success and, and really digging down deep, um, to, to, to do that. Um, I love racing. It's never going to stop racing, um never ever going to stop. Um, if anything, just get a little bit busier. I don't know. Um, but my, my goal for the years going forward is to kind of be cherry picking races. Um, not just in say the ultra four King, of the hammers, uh, you know, venues is I like to go to other places and race, um, and try different stuff. So and that's where I feel like my my sponsors um, and my marketing partners get the most out of is when I go try new stuff and and uh, yeah I, I've been having a lot of fun doing that and that is um, I, I'm going for the uh, the quality and not the quantity races side of things um, fr- from here going forward so um, I, I love my racing. Um, I've been very heavily involved with, uh, Ford Motor Company up in Detroit, doing a bunch of their, their driver training, um, a, as well, as far as a, uh, the, the income side of things. And, uh, so I, I go to Detroit a lot. I go up to Southern California a lot, um, training, training their engineers and signing off on their engineers to, uh, be able to drive Ford Motor Company's property. And, uh, yeah, that, that's been a new kind of, uh, a new chapter in my life is doing more of that stuff. Because um, cool. ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what put that's what puts food on the table.
0: And do you find that uh, where the racing is such a large part of what you're doing day to day is is the marketing partnership um, side of that time consuming?
1: It is. It is. And to be honest with you, uh, Rich, I don't spend as much time uh, with it as I as I should. Um, I I should be a little bit more uh, invested in that. But at the end of the day, um, there's only so much time, time, time in the day uh, to to do that. Um, it, It is challenging for sure to, to sit down at the end of the day and send out emails or at the beginning of the day and send out emails and to, to, to work that side of things. Um, but it's something that has to be done. And if I don't do it, I can't race then everything's coming out of my own pocket and I I can't, I can't do that. So, um, definitely time consuming and I should, I should get better at it, but man, I, I, I love my current marketing, uh, partners. Um, had a pretty major switch over to Yokohama Tire um, about three years ago. prior, prior to COVID, and uh, it's been one of the best things I've ever done is switching over to Yokohama Tire and uh, dealing with those people. Uh, marketing-wise, those they have quickly became family and uh, excited for many years with Yokohama Tire.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And Yokohama does a lot of stuff in uh, Baja. Is that ever going to be in the plans?
1: You you know, um, maybe, maybe Yokohama Tire is very involved in, uh, in all forms of, of racing. Um, they're one of the sole, they're one of the largest sole tire manufacturers in the world. You know, like you have your, your, your Brickstone or your, or your, uh, Goodyear, but they produce other things other than tires. Yokohama only produces tires. Um, so, so it sure opened the doors for me to go race a little bit of everything. They're very involved with the Travis Pastrana series, the Nitro Rallycross. They're mm-hmm. involved with, uh, Pike's Peak, um, uh, which I actually got to go run an ultra car up my ultra my independent camel car up this year, which was an absolute blast. Nice. Um, and, and, and as far as Baja goes, you know, I, I, I've always been very, reserved about going down to, to, to Baja. I just, it's one of those things that it, it's, it's I'm not to say it's hard, but it is more work from somebody from Kansas to, to travel 20 hours across the border, to do that. And, and of course you kind of feel like there's maybe some, some hidden dangers that, uh, that, that, that comes with it. So we've, we've all, I've always been very reserved um, here last year. Um, it would have been over a year ago, year year and a half ago now. Um, I had a life changing wreck there that has uh, ended up in a uh, in, in a ultimately a fatality on, on the track, and that that has definitely affected me um, and affected my family and and how we're you know my, my overall racing um, for sure um, and how and how I look at it. Um, but I definitely try not to, uh, dwell on that side of things so much because at, at the end of the day, it was, I was doing nothing wrong, um, at the time of the accident or any, any time whatsoever. And, uh, I was where I was supposed to be doing what I was supposed to be doing, um, at that point in time. And, uh, it was just a very unfortunate, unfortunate, unfortunate accident that, uh, that, that happened. So. Um, I don't know, I don't know, Rich, that I'll ever, I'll ever go back. I'd like to someday, but you know, it's definitely, it's definitely something that, that's hard to, 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 to watch is the, the Baja racing, knowing what, what happened to me down there.
0: And you know, Um, there's, that happens, it happens a lot down there. Um, a lot of it, nobody ever hears about, um, or it's very, you know, it's not—it uh, doesn't get back over the border, you might say, with uh, with the advertising or whatever you—however you, uh, you want to put it. Um, but it it does—you know, those races can be out of country like that can be extremely dangerous because there is no control over huge distances like that of of where the spectators can go and what they do. My first time down in Baja was in 2003 when they were filming Dust to Glory. And it was evening, and we were expecting the trophy trucks in any time. And we saw all these lights come through this canyon, and we've got the BFG pit up set up out there and the end of this canyon. And I'm like, everybody's like, oh, here come the trophy trucks. And all of a sudden, this pickup truck comes by with a bunch of lights on it, and like 10 people standing in the bed of the truck not 2 minutes later 3 minutes later the first trophy truck comes through and i'm thinking i sure hope those guys got off that course you know cuz mm-hmm. there's there's nothing you can do about it mm-hmm. yeah you know, it's, and, it, it's and,
1: and and that's a very similar situation what happened in in, in with my accident um, it was literally nothing nothing i could do um they were that they, they were there so yep. um it it is very very unfortunate and I, I think there needs to be maybe more education with with that type of racing down there um it, it, mexico's an amazing place but um i just i just don't know if there's a future for me down there and i i like to stick with races that um especially here in the states Um, you know, I, I raced in Europe for, for three years, which was a very pivotal point of my, uh, racing career as well. So I under, I understand the, uh, the, the racing out of country, but I I learned a lot by racing out of country and, and especially with marketing as well, um, with, uh, how hard it is to market out of country because most of the time there's different divisions within companies that they don't they don't cross the 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 the, the lines of, of say the U.S. market is different than the U.K. market, which is different than the Spain market. So I like to uh, I like to stick here to racing, kind of more or less in the states because it is a lot easier to market with. Because the, that's end of the day, my companies that sponsor me, that's what they're interested in is, right. is the U.S. market because okay. uh, that's where they sell. So I, I, I've learned a lot with, uh, with marketing and doing the overseas racing. Um, but, yeah, so with going forward, I'm not against racing overseas. I love it. I've, I've met a ton of good people that are family now, and I wouldn't change that for the world. Um, I just, man, I, I have some, some different goals nowadays, especially with having a, a wife and, and, and kiddos um, that involve for racing here in the U.S. and trying to do everything as tech – with taking as 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 much as a calculated risk as possible right you know because at the end of the day i still got to come home to them
0: correct now your car your new car is a uk built car correct
1: yeah yep yep it was uh built by a, a company um over in the uk called off-road armory um i started racing overseas I was at Glen Helen, uh, of all places, and Dave Cole was looking for somebody to go race overseas, willing to ship their car. But the downside to it, you were going to uh, lose lose racing um, the rest of the year out in, in the states. I looked at my buddy and said, "Dude, we 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 should totally go do that. You know, let, let let's try to be different. Let, let let's expand. Let's try to be different." And uh, ultimately, ended up ship my car over. Um Rob Butler um from Off-Road Armory ended up taking me under his wing and I'll forever be grateful for that. Um and we ended up racing uh two races over there and I shipped the car back home. We ended up building the car um in 2014 to race the entire European uh Ultra Four Europe championship and I ended up winning three out of the four races over there. Um winning the championship of course with that and uh, ended up the next year racing it over again and selling the car and uh yeah anyways established a really good relationship with rob butler at alfred armory and we ended up starting on this car in 2020 and have been building ever since and it just landed in july of this year here here in the u.s so excited to uh, be campaigning that car for the years to come
0: and it's a an ifs car
1: Yeah. Yep. It's a, it's, it's very similar to, to say Loretta, um, as far as a, and by, by similar, I mean, as far as, um, its layout, it is a rear engine, um, car, um, independent front solid axle rear, you know, two shocks per corner, you know, the standard ultra four kind of setup at this point. And, uh, yeah, it's just Rob is very, very good at, um, is his designing and he's very very good at listening as well if there's something i would have done wanted done on the car it was it got done um and so he accumulately built this car and it's gonna be a bad mf <laughs> <Nice.
0: laughs> Whatever
1: we get everything kind of the new car blues sorted out of it they've been waiting a long time with it but Building a car during COVID was not ideal by any means.
0: Yeah, not just because you couldn't travel back to help, um, but also getting just securing parts.
1: Yeah, that was the biggest one was securing parts. Lead times. I mean, it was it was it was terrible. So, and the traveling, we were we were locked down pretty much the entire time, not able to travel. So we did everything via FaceTime. Right. Um, That's tough. It, it was tough but we're uh, we'll be we'll be uh seeing the rewards uh, of that and all that work over the past couple of years ho- hopefully this year
0: great With well you'll be ready for that that car will be ready for KOH then
1: oh yeah yeah i've been i've been uh, working on it night and day um, we we had our first test session out in Johnson Valley found a lot of stuff that we needed to change or fix on it. Um, and so brought it back to the car, or brought the car back here to the shop and uh, tore it down and starting to make some changes to it here and there um, to ultimately be, uh, you know, make the car more reliable and, and faster. So you, you, I always say a car is not a good car until the second or third season, you know, because it just takes every car. I don't care what car you buy. You can go buy a Campbell car. You can go buy a Mason trophy truck they're all going to have issues and bugs, you know, that you got to work through.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's rare that, you know, something happens like with Raul this year with a, a brand new car delivered on the lake bed and be able to go out and win in it. I mean, that's just, that was amazing.
1: <laughs> that, that 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 is amazing. <laughs> and that is, that is something that Raul, I mean that was that was that was literally like playing the lottery that day, and he, and he won. So. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so then, um, what was your best finish at
1: Koh? My very best finish at King the Hammers would be a third place finish. Um, it was in twenty, who hmm, twenty seven, sixteen, seventeen. Okay, I, I don't really. They all run together. I've raced it. Uh, this year will be my 12th year racing King of the Hammers. So, um, we, we've always, I mean, we've had some very good finishes within the top 10, but never have had that perfect day per se. Right. Um, at at King of the Hammers, it is definitely a a hard race to, uh, to, to win. And that's why very few people have won it. (laughs)
0: Very true. Very true. So then, um, you're going to continue racing in the states. Try different things. Um, that rallycross stuff sounds pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, you know, my goal is to diversify and do as much as I can, and, and maybe try different uh, areas of motorsports to to see where see where I land, and and hopefully ultimately develop, uh, you know, keep on developing my skill set. Uh, Cause it, it, I, I'm a firm believer in everything transfers over. You, you, you gain a little bit of uh, seat time and something, it, 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 you will store that and, uh, be able to use it at some point in time. So yeah, that, that nitro rally cross looks amazing. And I hope I can get my shot at it, uh, in the coming years. Cool. The, you know, Pike, Pike's peak this year was a big one for me. Yeah. I was going
0: to um, bring that up. You had, you had quite the run.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um had had quite quite the run. In fact, I uh I, I made history. Um I don't know if it was necessarily in a in a good way or not, but I i view If it You're as a good in way. the
0: history books, it's always a good way, hopefully.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. Um Yeah, race mile. You know, I actually have a, a course map here in my office that I'm looking at. Um I'll pro- probably race mile. Eh, it'd be about race mile nine, I think, if if that. Um, I uh, slid off the course, rolled the car, and uh, r- righted the car back on its wheels and tires, and and finished the finished the race. Um, yeah, which no I recovery, was very,
0: just peeled out,
1: uh, just peeled out and went, rolled the car. And, uh, kept on going. I was the first car ever in the history of Pikes Peak to, uh, to, to roll a car and finish the race. So, which is a testament to, uh, um, you know, ultra, ultra four drivers and off-road drivers in general. Um, that, that being a big deal to on-road guys, I was, I might as well have walked on water because <laughs> it, that was, that is, that is unheard of to, to, to roll a, you know, Porsche or do anything and keep on going, um, but but to me it really wasn't that crazy of a deal. It was like did a quick check and kept on going. It definitely, it's not the first time that I've ever rolled a car, landed on its wheels, and kept going. It just happened to be at Pikes Peak that I did this, which was kind of a weird one to roll at in general. Um, but the course was super slick and foggy that day, and there was a uh, corner that just boom came out of nowhere, and luckily it was at lower elevation um yeah went on my wheels and made it all the way to the finish line and still out actually outran some people which was a a surprise but doing stuff like that is kind of my goal going forward um is to to prove how how they how how diverse a ultra core drivers are um and uh and, and there are cars our cars are like swiss army knives they can they can do a little bit of everything so um I, I built this new car with that in mind to be able to go do everything. It has big shocks and a uh, considerable amount of fuel on it. And so, if I want to go run the Mint 400 or Pikes Peak or Crandon or whatever, we can take our cards and or my, my card and we can go racing. So
0: nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you would like to uh, to share that you can think of?
1: Uh, No, not, not really. Um, I think, uh, I think we've pretty much covered pretty much covered everything that I, I I would like to touch on.
0: Great. Excellent. So Levi, thank you so much for having been a big part of my life over the last, uh, well, I'd have to say 10 or 12 years and that, uh, we always enjoyed when you guys would come to the races because you would come over and sit at the trailer with us for hours and just talk. And we appreciated that. So thank you for being part of our life and, uh, sharing your life with, uh, with our listeners.
1: Yeah. Thank you for, um, give me a platform to be able to, to do so. Um, you know, you, you've given me a, a platform and, in uh, more ways than one to, um, to, to express my, 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 my gratitude, whether it had been, um, on a, on a racetrack for all those years to, um, to doing what we're doing today and just sitting down and being able to, to talk and, uh, hopefully to give people a little bit of insight on, on, my day-to-day, to, uh, my history and, and what my future looks like. Um, so I, I, can't, uh, express my, my gratitude enough, um, to, to, to you and Shelly and everybody for, um, always, always welcoming me and my family. And yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah, no worries. And, uh, give your wife a hug for us and, uh, kiss kids on the cheek and, we hopefully will see you here in a few months somewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there is that that big uh, that big uh, race coming up that people know about, I guess, that some people know about. So we'll, uh, yeah, we should, we should definitely connect there. I will. Th- th- thank you again.
0: Thank you. All right. You have a good day. Thank you.
1: Uh, all right. You too, Rich.
0: Bye. Well, that's another episode of Conversations with Big Rich. I'd like to thank you all for listening. If you could do us a favor and uh, leave us a review on any podcast service that you happen to be listening on, or send us an email or a text message or a Facebook message, and let me know uh, any ideas that you have, or if there's anybody that you have that you think would be a great guest, please forward the contact information to me so that we can uh, try to get them on. And always remember, live life to the fullest. Enjoying life is a must. Follow your dreams and live life with all the gusto you can. Thank you.